More than the clothes we wear, style is about the way we move through the world. On this episode of Beyond Style Matters, I talk with legendary American designer Norma Kamali. Ever since she appeared on the very first episode of fashion television back in 1985, I've had a major girl crush on American designer Norma Kamali. A 50-year veteran of the fashion scene, Norma is a true style visionary and absolute trailblazer. The sleeping bag coat that she dreamed up in the 70s was the forerunner to all that puffy outerwear we see these days. And you could call the Cool Sweats collection that she gave us in 1980 the granddaddy of the current active and athleisure wear craze. Her fabulous takes on jersey dressing enabled us to move through the world with absolute ease. And if you were ever lucky enough to own Norma Kamali swimwear, well, you know how brilliant and timeless it's always been. Norma's mission in life is to empower women, and throughout the years, she's also spearheaded a number of wellness projects involving everything from plant-based beauty products to olive oil, juices, and herbal teas. Her latest offering is an inspiring handbook called I Am Invincible, a must-read for women of all ages intent on aging with power. I spoke to Norma Kamali, who's an astonishing and gorgeous 75, from her Manhattan headquarters. Norma Kamali, welcome to this episode of Beyond Style Matters. And I just can't wipe the smile off my face because, uh, boy, I have loved you for a long time. Uh, well, I've loved you too for a long time. <laughs> and we we are talking long time too. Do you know that you were on the very first episode of fashion television in 1985? Our first episode, our pilot episode. No. And you, because you, visionary, trailblazer that you are, were producing fashion videos at a time yes. when... No, what designers, who was doing that? I mean, very few. I think maybe Ralph Lauren did one. But you were doing these brilliant fashion videos, like the reading of the will. Of the will. <laughs> yes. You, yes. Just so clever and so artsy and, and already taking fashion to this whole other level, which was unthought of and certainly unheard of back in 1985. Yeah, it's true. That was uh, That's what I was doing. So interesting. But again, as I say, you have always had a trailblazing, you know, visionary kind of uh, sensibility. I remember a time um, interviewing you when you had decided to divest yourself of absolutely everything. Right. You went into this minimalist phase. I'm trying to think, you know, around what year that would have been. Maybe um, well, I will tell you exactly. Um, it was when I turned 50 and I'm 75 now. So, so it was probably 1995. And I, you know, when you turn 50, it's like shedding your skin. You, you reinvent yourself. It, it, everything changes. And I, I lived in a beautiful, beautiful home. I had everything in it that I loved. I restored this. It was part of the Woolworth estate. It was extraordinary. And I remember sitting there sketching and looking around. I was sitting in the library and it was all cherry wood and carved and beyond beautiful. And I looked around and I thought, oh my God, I'm surrounded by the most beautiful things. And I thought to myself, 
I have to get rid of this because I am trapped by my possessions. If I'm going to think of new ideas and think about the future and other things, if I'm trapped by this beauty, I'm not going to be able to get out of this. I have to get rid of it all. And so my friend who's an astrologer always sends me to different places for my birthday. Astrologically, it's supposed to be good. And she sent me to Madras, India. And I had my chart done there by a Brahmin priest. And he said, it looks like you'll be letting go of all of your possessions. And, and he said, or you're thinking about doing it. And he said, you should do it. And I had already decided, but it was so great to have that affirmation. And I have been living a minimal lifestyle ever since. Wow. It totally opened up the idea of having a blank palette, a blank canvas to create whatever I want at any time. And I love minimalist. I love the minimalist concept. It really suits me. Um, and I don't keep anything I don't use. And I don't have anything that doesn't have a purpose. So there's nothing that is just beautiful that's sitting there. It has to do something. You mean art on the wall? You don't have any paintings on your wall? No, I live in an apartment that's really wonderful. That's got tons of glass. It's one of Ian's buildings that is uh, Ian Schrager. Just yeah, and it and it has a big curved it, space, right? And I look out. And I see the skyline, I see the Hudson River, I see sunsets, I see on the other side of the apartment sunrise. So God is doing a pretty good job for me on the, on the art. Um, I do have, I love digital art, so I have um, a video wall and I create films for it, so... That's a different kind of thing, but there is no art or photographs or anything anywhere. What, what about clothes in the closet since you are a bit of a clothes horse? I yes, I, I have clothes in the closet, but they're they're they serve I could wear the same thing every day, to be honest with you, because I like to be neutral when I'm working, especially. But it's really important for me to wear my clothes and to make sure that when the clothes are produced, after we've approved everything for shipment, that when the shipments come in, I get everything and I wear everything. And I, if there is a problem, I complain and say, I, this was not good. It's very much a part of my work too. And how I feel in the clothes is is as important as how you feel in the clothes you buy from me or how anybody feels. So it's, it, it is a part of it, but that's, you know, that and shoes and things like that are things I love clearly, but I have much more than I would ordinarily have if I weren't in the business. Every great conversation needs a pause. So this is the perfect time to talk to you about our sponsor, TSC, who, without their support, this podcast wouldn't be possible. 
Now, as you might know, I've covered the catwalks of Paris, Milan, New York, and London. And so you might ask, why have I partnered with a retailer like TSC, today's shopping choice? Well, I believe great fashion should be accessible to everyone. And TSC.ca is home to some amazing designers, wonderful Canadians like Brian Bailey, Kim Newport Mimran of Pink Tartan fame, and Hillary McMillan, as well as quality brands like Lamarck and Ron White Shoes. It's one-stop shopping for everything you need to make your own style statement. And of course, TSC offers so much more than mere fashion. Shop tsc.ca and discover some great brands at some great prices. It's so astounding to me that you have always had, in my mind anyway, and at this you know case in point, when you decided to you know sell everything and, and just divest yourself of everything, you seem to me to be a very disciplined kind of person. And I know you practice yoga, which is a, a great discipline, and that maybe you know has helped you along. But you've also you see your life. It seems to me in a a very controlled kind of way. I mean, this brilliant book, which I love so much. Thank and, you. I, and I, I gave one to my daughter as well because it's oh, the kind of book Thank that you. you read. is cross-generational, totally. Uh, the appeal of this book is fabulous. It's called I Am Invincible. Um, and it is not only um, the story of your life and your inner you know, machinations and, and musings, and but you've really divided uh, life in, in a sense into these decades and what a woman goes through in their 20s and what a woman goes through in their 30s, 40, 50, as you said, you turned 50 and you decided to get rid of stuff. Yes. I'm, I'm so intrigued by that frame of reference that you have for, uh, for the passage of time. Uh, how did that all start? I mean, did you always see the world through that lens? Well, I, I think, you know, when you talk about discipline, running a business is really, it forces you to be very disciplined because I have to have a plan and I have to have goals and I have to be responsible for everything, quite frankly, even though I have very capable people who are part of my team, I, in the end, am responsible. So I'm, I have a lot of structure in that way. And when I saw my friends dying of AIDS, which you know, we, we saw a lot of people pass. When two of my best friends died, I couldn't handle the grief because I didn't understand why all of these young people were dying. And it was a disease that didn't have a cure. And it was mainly because the immune system had broken down. And so in search of understanding the, the immune system, I really changed my lifestyle and my, not that I had a terrible, I, it just wasn't, a, I, I wasn't like a drug addict and I had to change. I was just like eating burgers and fries and soda and junk, not, not thinking about what I was doing. And I wasn't thinking about purpose and things that are really important. And so that was the impetus for me to learn and influence my discipline about healthy lifestyle, which really is based on the three pillars of sleep, diet, exercise. And keeping in mind that 
sleep is 50% of that pie and diet and exercise are, are the other very important components. When you create that structure in your life, the concept of aging with power is real. It, it's a real thing that can happen. And so it's a different type of structure and a different type of discipline. It's one that is very related to self-love. And self-love is a very big part of the book, right? If you love yourself, you're going to want to eat properly. You're going to want to do all you can for a good night's sleep. You're going to want to look at your diet with, um, you know, with caution of what you're eating and how much you're eating and, and the, the time you eat. All of that becomes more important and you're doing it for love of self. When you don't do things for the love of self, you draw some of the worst people to you. You draw bad situations in business and in in relationships and friendships. People sort of smell when there's, you know, self-esteem issues or something. They, they sort of prey on it. There are people who don't I maybe not even consciously are aware of it, but when your self-esteem is in the right place, you also draw great people and great situations and great opportunities. So self-love is critical in the book. Self-love obviously is at, at the root of uh, self-empowerment. Um, and, and I would think that Obviously, it doesn't come easy for a lot of people. And some people, it takes them a lifetime to mm -hmm. get to that spot. How old were you when you really felt that you loved yourself warts and all? Well, I thought, you know, Jeannie, it's really, it's really incredible. Um, and I will tell you, I met my soulmate at 65. I was married at 19 and divorced at 29 for the obvious reasons. But, and through the years, I just never met the right person. And I didn't really think about it. I, I was fine. I have a lot of friends and I had boyfriends, but not anybody that is going to, you, you know, after the third year, it's like, I think, I think I've had it. I think this is enough. And I realized, even though I thought that I was practicing self-love, I had um, a family relationship that was a very codependent, negative relationship. And I didn't realize that that was also impacting my self-esteem and how I felt about myself. And we all have those. We have them either in marriages or we have them in our families. We have them, they're, they're everywhere. And when that relationship ended, six months later, I met Marty. Six months later. And I know that's not an accident or a coincidence because I was not able to really truly love myself on another, on another level. So there are several ways to look at self-love. And, and also the example of meeting somebody at 65, I talk about it because I want every woman to know there is no end date for when you meet your soulmate. 
there is no there is no deadline if you if uh, if you're 31 and you're you're suicidal because you haven't met the man you're supposed to marry and have kids with stop it just stop the craziness because it is useless to even put yourself through it even though you will because it's a Saturn return and we all do it we all go through that craziness at that age but it it's really important to know that we are always and on our own schedule we are always following our own plan we may experience the same things from 40 to 50 in in the women women's sort of life cycle and our our sort of the current of how our lives are and the transitions of our lives but our calendar our schedule is very individual and so at 75, I, we're talking about hopefully a COVID less crazy time in uh, August, and we're going to have a big dance party, no wedding ceremony per se, but we'll tell everybody we got married and come and dance with us and that's it. I met my soulmate when I was 63. Six, almost next in a couple of weeks, it'll be six years ago. Um, so I totally get what you're saying. Uh-huh. And what an exquisite time in one's life when you finally really know who you are, you are. and yeah. you love who you are and accept everything yeah. about yourself to be able to then share the journey with someone. Um, yeah, no, I, I have like applaud you. Yeah, it's so the best. I mean, Jeannie, so you know, it's the best time. You're 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 at the best time. You you're you you're the, the most secure, the smartest, the more balanced uh, in so many ways. And it's time it's time to 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 really have that special relationship. It, it's really such a wonderful time to have it for however long it is, because. I, I'm a big believer in all the relationships we have in our lives. A lot of young women believe this is it for life, love forever after. No, uh-uh. for as long as it's meant to be is what it is. And that's what everybody has to just put in their heads. There, sometimes there's a time out. There's a time where it's timed itself out and it's not relevant to you anymore. You're not relevant to it anymore. And sometimes it does and people grow together and they have similar things, but it's not necessarily the rule. It's And, and so all of those predetermined rules of when something is supposed to happen or how it's supposed to happen are the cause of so much pain and so much heartache for so many women that I try to dispel the aging concept of, you know, I say aging with power. Aging gracefully is not what I want to do. That's not for me. I don't want to disappear. I don't want to quietly go into like the sunset. Aging with power is what everybody should think about and being relevant forever. That is exactly what my next question was going to be, that of relevance. What made me fall in love, and it was love at first sight, with my 
partner, the night I met him, he walked across a crowded room and he said to me, hi, my name is Ian McInnes and I've always admired you for keeping yourself so relevant. And that to me was such a turn on. I thought, what a guy that really appreciates the fact that I have been dancing as fast as I can and that it is important to be out there and, you know, just grab life by the balls. It, amazing. And and for you too, I mean, wow, you have always been so incredibly relevant and inspiring. And the fact that you would even write a book of this magnitude, really, because it, it there, you cover so much uh, in this book. It's just the most beautiful book. Uh, you didn't have to do that. I mean, you, you're at a point in your life where you could just like, hey, you know, you got the guy, you got the the cozy house on the beach, you got the, you know, the business is in good shape. You could just sit back and really smell mm. the flowers. What made you decide to once again, put yourself out there every day, put yourself out there? Well, you know, early on, uh, uh, I I decided that I wanted to have a creative life and that I knew my purpose was to service women, to make women feel good about themselves, to make them feel happy when they wear my clothes. And I, and I, I knew I wasn't finding a cure for cancer. I, there was a point where I thought, is this, is this really a meaningful profession I'm in? You know, people are doing major things and I'm worried about a hemline. You know, I really was torn. About, I, I, I really didn't feel, real, really feel like I was doing the right thing. And then I thought about it and I said, no, I, I do have a purpose. This is what I'm meant to do. And so the book is very much a part of that purpose because I, you know, 53 years in business and 75, I have so much to share. And I wished I had a handbook when I was starting and going through this. I wish there was something I could look at to just get some tips on anything. And I thought, let me do this sort of like a handbook with stories, not my memoir, but stories about things in my life that relate to what I am saying is happening in that decade so that people can get a personal story of my experience as a reference to what they might understand is the transition or is the challenge or whatever that is. So I was very forthcoming about my experiences. And it was easy to do that because I really know my purpose and that's to help women. So I was sharing all of this with that idea in mind. And I even write about purpose in the book, as you know, because I I think everybody should think about what their purpose is in this lifetime so that you make those decisions you know, instead of just going this way, that way, and all in different paths, that you make a decision and you 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 get to that. You go there. You you don't sort of wander and meander around. And you obviously have known your purpose. You're you've been a communicator from day one. I'm sure when you were a little girl, you were a communicator. I'm sure you understood immediately what your purpose was when you were making your plans and your agendas for what your life was going to be. 
Um, and so we know, we basically know what they are. If we think about it, look at where we feel our comfort zone is. It tells us what it is. I know that you probably don't advocate looking back too much because you have always been a very forward thinker and, and a very progressive uh, kind of person. But I imagine that there are so many memories of the way things were in the fashion world compared to the way things are now. Um, what what do you miss the most about those heady old days of the fashion scene that kind of are no more? Well, you know, every decade has has something that's really great and and then we lose some of the things from previous decades that were really great because we evolve and change. It's like saying, would you want to be 30 again? No, no, we would not want to be 30 again. Why the hell would we want to go through that? But there were things about 30 that were very nice. We just don't want to do them again. So that's how I feel about looking back at fashion and looking back at the years. I think there was a period of time and this is totally personal, when fashion was a very sort of open, free-spirited expression where people dressed, they would never want to dress like anybody else. They would want to look very individual. They would never want anybody to I mean, that talking about brands had no relevance at all. Saying you were wearing a brand would have been an embarrassment. And nobody ever criticized the way anybody looked. I mean, it just, you wouldn't do it because it would be like saying your face is ugly. If you, if I decided to wear an outfit that you thought was too crazy um, but I loved because it said who I was and how I felt for that day. You would just appreciate it like a work of art. You would just appreciate that I thought that up, that I put that together. But you wouldn't want to dress like that person because you're doing your own art. You're doing your own creative thing. And men and women wore the same clothes. Men and women share would go shopping together and if there were shirts in a store you both would buy the shirts you just pick the one that fit you so the idea of of this total free-spirited approach to how you dress I thought was one of the highlights of fashion in my life time in my personal lifetime as a designer and as somebody who's obviously been wearing clothes through the last 53 years. So I miss that, but I also think the the other side of COVID is uh, uh, has a silver lining because this is a time if you really have a unique idea and a unique concept, wars, pandemics, market crashes, things like that. The post version of it, the after effect is people will take a chance on something new. If it's new and unique, 
that's what people want because everything that happened before no longer has any relevance and people don't want it. They want, they want something fresh and new. They want to get out of what happens and move forward. That's true. That's very interesting. Although there is this whole, and then when it comes to the question of sustainability, the whole question of people wanting to maybe get less new stuff and keep the old stuff or go to vintage stores and find old stuff that's still perfectly good and, and strut that. So there, you know, there's a bit of a kind of a dichotomy there. Well, sustainability has, there's so many ways to look at it, Jeannie. I think one of the things, you know, I think about what I've been doing through the years and I, I think about, take an example of the sleeping bag coat. I did the sleeping bag coat in the early seventies. I've made the sleeping bag coat every year since then. And people have their coats for 30 years, 40 years. Like people have been wearing their coats forever and they still buy coats and have them and wear them. And to me, sustainable fashion is something that you can buy and not have to throw away, that it can stay with you, that it's, it can be a part of your wardrobe that you add to. And some of the best, most fashionable socialites of the 70s and, you know, the 60s and 70s and Jackie Kennedy and, you know, all of those really fantastic women, they would buy clothes and buy great things and not not necessarily stop wearing them, they would add to it. And a lot of that comes from having maybe a one of a kind jacket, which is why vintage is appealing. But I think there's a lot of fashion that we're going to see come the future where there's more one of a kinds, more of these special pieces. So you can add them to whatever else you have, jeans that are also sustainable, or even sweats are sustainable, right? There, you just throw them in the washing machine, you keep wearing them and wearing them. So sustainable fashion opens a door for ideas. It opens a door that says a different point of view, this throwaway fast fashion doesn't feel right right now. It doesn't feel good. Having having something that you take care of and that you keep and wear every every time, if it's every winter or you wear whenever it, you get something new, you add it to what you have. That I think is very much the way we're going to see clothes and we're going to see the way people start dressing. So at the end of the day, it's great design, you know, it's really great design. And that's something that's been kind of watered down Mm -hmm. um, over the years. And I don't, you know, any great designers are really (laughs) out there. I I know there's a lot of talent, but um, Mm. it's the it's the big companies that look at huge numbers and lots of clothes, lots and lots of clothes. And then a lot of clothes get thrown away. And so I think, you know, I'm a big believer in not being huge, but making a big profit. Instead of being really big and the profit is always sort of in this sort of imaginary space, why not 
look at profit and not be huge, be special, unique, and profitable. That's a big, that's a novelty. And I think there's an appreciation for companies like that, that have a story, that can tell a good story about what they have and why they developed the products they developed and the quality ingredients, the type of materials, the easy care, all of those things that really have so much more meaning to everyone now. What do you look forward to the most? I'm looking forward to the balance that I've started to develop in um, thanks to COVID and making me understand that that's possible. I look forward to seeing so many of my ideas and dreams come true. I'm working on different projects that are so much fun and I think relevant now, especially post-COVID. I I do well when there's disruption. I'm I'm my happiest when there's disruption because I'm more of an inventor than I am a designer. And invention does better after disruption. When everything is great and the economy is great and everything, I have to I have to keep causing trouble for myself so that I can stay stimulated because after when everything is really good is when you need to really think harder because you can get lazy and you know so this is a great time for me i have a lot of ideas that i'm very excited about i'm in june 15th i start to launch my furniture collection and um it's so much fun and so that also is because, and and I've developed it for a couple of years, but I wasn't ready to do it as a business um, until COVID when I realized that more and more people will be working from home, some full-time more, and some will do, you know, um, on-site, off-site. But the home clearly has taken on a new importance that is really, really very much a part of how we feel in the way we put on clothes and how we feel. And having an environment that can be flexible, that can be a workspace, that can be a media room, that can be a comfort place, a spa place, that can be all of those things is really what we're all tending to do now. We're all looking at how do we make our homes not just the place that we go to sleep or eat, but the place that we entertain ourselves, where we work out, where we kind of hang with friends, make dinners and and do all of those things. It's much more uh, a much more important place for all of us than ever before. I love home. I love design. I love architecture and I love interior design. So this is um, this is like total fun, total fun. I can't wait to see it. I cannot wait to see the furniture in your mind. Wow. Just finally, what do you say to people who lament the passage of time, who worry about getting older, who, who try to fight it every mm. inch of the way? You know, I think there are so many reasons why that happens. And I think the the fashion industry and the beauty industry and 
just everybody feels free to talk about how bad aging is because we have to anti-age and we have to anti-wrinkle and we have to hide our age and we have to do all of these things to pretend that we're not our age. Instead, just really celebrating the, the power behind experience is to me how do you match that? You can't match that. I mean, I've never been smarter in my life or more more purposeful and more meaningful for other people. My experience has so much to do with everything I do every day. And if if you think about the three pillars of a healthy lifestyle, and all of that is in my book, and I'm doing more podcasts and doing more uh, I'll be putting more and more information uh, together for people on uh, normal life. I think following those three pillars gives you the ability to feel good about your body, your skin, how you feel, your strength. And if you can do that and have a healthy body, healthy mind, and and healthy spirit, the aging process is not one that you want to hide. You want to talk about. You have comfort in saying, I'm 75. You have comfort in saying, this is this is how smart I am right now. And this is how confident I am right now. I think what happens is there's an aging out process that happens. And, you know, at 31, young women are already aged out of the dating market. They're aged out. They're aged out. That's why they're so depressed at 30 if they haven't found somebody, which is ridiculous. And the whole point is we have to change people's minds about that. Then by talking about age in a positive way, then in your 40s, you can get aged out of a marriage. You can get aged out of a job because maybe you've become too expensive. You're so good that they can get somebody less expensive in and then you're aged out of your job. And then at 50, what next, right? What's next? Well, that's the beginning of everything great. 50 starts starts the, the rest of your life in the best way possible where it's about you and nurturing yourself and nurturing your soul. So I think that becoming invisible as you age, whether it's guys don't look at me anymore when I walk down the street kind of thing in your 40s or I'm aged out of the dating market or I, you know, I'm too expensive for these jobs, whatever those things are, I'm aged out, I'm not relevant. Well, no, that's not true. And and it's very important to have all of that's why the book is so right for now is like just follow the book, do those things and your confidence will be so right to get you what you want to do and and get you the the type of person you deserve, get you the type of job you deserve, give you the inspiration to be an entrepreneur and to do your dream. But you got to do it with power, not with insecurity. It has to be self-love. It has to be with confidence. And it's possible. And I want to talk about this aging with power every day if I possibly can. And I would love Jeannie for you to talk about it and keep talking about it so we can change that perception of age. Don't go into 
that mold that everybody thinks you don't, you don't have to look like a grandma because you're 75. You think that's, that's cute. You can act like a grandma, but you don't have to look like a grandma. <laughs> you said uh, it, it, it was your purpose to uh, really serve women. And boy, Norma, you have served us so brilliantly over the years. And just keep up the great work. I adore you. You uh, really are a personal heroine of mine. I just um, I just think you're amazing. You've inspired me from the very beginning. And uh, all, all these years later now, I'm thinking, boy, like 35 years that, uh, that I've known you. You know, being a pioneer in, in any industry as a woman and making your unique path, right? Really doing that in the way that you've done it is, is easy, isn't easy. It's something that takes a lot of perseverance and takes a lot of courage. And you did, and you, you really created a, a lot of great memories for people who watched fashion in a new way that they'd never seen before. You made it, you made it a thing of importance in the world you were in that wasn't necessarily looking at fashion as as a really important topic. And everybody always remembers you. Wait, thank you so much thank for you. being thank on you. this episode of Beyond Style Matters. Uh, you're the best. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you, Jeannie. Thanks for listening. To see video versions of the podcasts, check out tsc.ca slash style matters. Till next time, I'm Jeannie Becker.